Hello and welcome to episode 127 of the Teach On Teach Strong podcast. I am Katie, I am your host. If this is your first time listening, welcome. This is a podcast especially for us teachers to help us with all things personal development. So that's things to do with our mindset, resilience, attitudes, productivity, the practical skills that actually help us do our job. Today's episode is called How to Boost Motivation When You're Not Feeling It. I'm sure you've had this feeling. The alarm blaring off in the ear and interrupts the pleasant dream you're having. You take a moment to sort of work out and recognize where you are and what day it is. But you can't help but notice how warm and snuggly your bed is. You really don't want to get up and you really, really are not feeling going into school today. Then you remember it's duty day and there's a meeting after school and then reports are due too. Ugh. There are some days when we're just really not feeling it. And by the way, you're also totally not alone if those days come up in groups for weeks at a time as well. I'm just saying. There's nothing wrong with you if you feel like that. You can still love being a teacher but not feel motivated all the time. Sometimes it is just hard to do things. You know you've got a list of things to do, but you're just not feeling it. And that's what today's episode is all about. So I'm going to give you some tips to give yourself a bit of a motivation boost when you're not feeling it, but you know you have things to do. Now, I've talked about motivation quite a bit over the past year and a half since starting this podcast. In fact, I had a little dig through the archives and I found at least seven other episodes where we address this topic. For example starting most recent backwards episode 112 is called when you feel like you can't teach another day (laughs) that's definitely when you're feeling unmotivated then episode 102 the key to staying motivated as a teacher episode 99 how to stay positive in teaching episode 76 don't wish away today waiting for a better tomorrow episode 61 how to keep going when you've lost your mojo But this one's just for the ladies. I'm winking. You'll know what I mean. Episode 37, how to have a great day as a teacher. And then finally, episode 14. Motivation gets you started, but it's commitment that keeps you going. That's a lot of episodes so far. Yet, in the survey I put out to my email subscribers a few weeks ago, How to boost motivation was a popular request, so you must still need support in this area. If that sounds like you and you're definitely struggling with motivation, be sure to listen to the episodes I mentioned earlier as well as this one. I will link them in the show notes for you, which you can find at teachersresourceforce.com forward slash podcast forward slash 127. And I would just download them and keep them on your phone and listen to them whenever you're feeling low and unmotivated, as they will help you. All right, I think episode 14 made a very important point. That motivation gets you started. That's all it does. It's commitment that keeps you going. So motivation, therefore, is just that initial jump, that starter, that rev of the engine, that push. And when you think of it that way, It's suddenly not so intimidating, is it? I think the problem so many of us have with feeling motivated is because we know we have to do things but we don't feel like doing them, right? But once the ball gets rolling and we just start, we can usually get on and do what we need to do. And how we feel doesn't really matter anymore. 
Motivation is just a small push, nothing else. It's the commitment that's going to keep you doing the job at hand, especially when things get difficult. Okay, so if motivation is just a small push, then let's look at small ways that we can jumpstart our own engines to get up and do what we need to do. So I'm going to share with you an idea and ways that I do this. Now, bear in mind, we are all different. So what might work for one might not work for another. Take from these ideas whatever you want and try some different ways of your own to help you learn what starts your engine. Oh, and as a lover of metaphors, expect lots of engines and rolling balls to get my point across today. I'm just warning you. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. Number one. Here's what I do. Start by writing a list. Goodness knows I love a to-do list. (laughs) If you know you have a lot going on or a lot to get through and you just don't know where to start, sometimes writing it all down is a great place to begin. It can make you see that either, yeah, you've got a shit ton to go, so stop wasting time. Or it could make you see, eh, actually it's not that bad. This is totally achievable. Get over yourself and just do it. Next, you need to prioritize your to-do list. Now, I'm a big fan of the quadrant method I talked about in episode 45 as it just makes everything so much clearer and much more manageable and a lot less overwhelming. And I hear a lot of advice on this kind of stuff and where to start a to-do list. Some say start with the easiest as it will help you get started. Fair enough. Some say to start with the hardest as you'll get the worst done and out of the way. And then some say just start with the most important. What to do or what to do? (laughs) Well, in a way, I think they're all right. But how can you do all of them? I will teach you my ways. Don't worry. I figured out how you can do all those three things. Start with the easiest, start with the hardest and the most important. Yes. What is this sorcery, you ask? Well, I will share it with you. Okay, step three. What you're going to do next is take the thing you're going to start with. In this case, we'll assume that you've used the quadrant method and you've determined what's most important and most urgent. Again, listen to episode 45 if you haven't done that, because that will explain what I'm talking about. Then here's the trick. You're going to break it down into the smallest sections and smallest stages and smallest steps ever. So let's take report writing as an example, because we probably all need a big rev to get going on those things, right? Here's what my steps would be for report writing. Number one, get the students' work out. Number two, open up the spreadsheet with their grades. Number three, open up the software and the class register, because we do ours online. Number four, input ratings on behaviour and effort, because we have a separate a category system for those we just have to put a rating from one to five on their effort and those things so they're really simple to do step five input grades for each child so i usually look at my spreadsheet and then just copy the grades over step six flick through the child's book and write some notes on the things that the child is very strong at and maybe something they need to improve and i just do one or two word notes and I put it right there on the system where I'm meant to write their full comments. I just put a couple of words in there. The reason I do that is because for me, <laughs> I don't know if you'll like this as well, but thinking up eloquent sentences to write in a professional report takes a whole other level of effort, right? So 
I like to eliminate half the battle by already knowing what I'm going to say before trying to make it sound fancy. You know what I mean? So just having some notes of what I want to say breaks down the steps a bit more. Step seven, write the full sentences for each child. And you know what? You could even break this up into 30 by write sentence for child number one, write sentence for child number two. It wouldn't hurt. I'll come back to why that's not as crazy as it sounds in a little bit. And then step number eight, hit submit and have a celebratory dance. (laughs) So that's all the teeniest, tiniest little steps for writing reports. And the reason I do it this way is even though it seems excessive at first instance, and you're probably listening thinking, Katie, seriously, what are you doing? Bear with me. There is a reason for my madness, and it's because we only need enough motivation to get started and give the ball a little nudge, right? The smaller the step you have to do, much less motivation that you need, and the lighter and easier the little nudge has to be. But the minute you tell yourself, right, it's time to sit down and knock out these reports, it is really hard to get motivated, isn't it? Yes, because writing reports is a big task that you know can take you ages. But if you say, I just need to open the spreadsheet and the software, you're removing pretty much all of the resistance. You barely need any motivation to start because you'll say to yourself, how pathetic is it to not even be able to open up a bloody spreadsheet? (laughs) Right? And as with all engines, once it's on, it can keep chugging over. And once you get the ball rolling, it kind of takes on its own energy and you can keep ticking over with the next task and the next and the next because each next task is so tiny that all the resistance is pretty much gone. But the minute you come across a big task that feels overwhelming that you haven't broken down, like the one for writing all the reports in full sentences, for example, your engine can stall, which is why it's good to keep the tiny tasks and why I said earlier that it might not be a bad idea to break down each child at a time. So I'm just going to write child one, child two, okay? Because it keeps the next task small so the resistance isn't there, all right? I mean, if you imagine it, if we go with the ball analogy again, imagine a ball rolling down a hill, okay? And it's all smooth sailing because you've got little task, little task, little task. The minute you have a big task, it's like a big rock there. And what happens is you kind of, the ball just like slams into the rock and just stops and goes, I can't. And then you need a whole other push to try and push it over the big rock again, right? Then you're having to try and find more motivation and more drive. Whereas if you keep resistance low, lots of little teeny tasks, there's nothing stopping you. You can just keep rolling until you're finished. So having the tasks broken down in these teeny steps also means your breaks are more productive. I'm a big break taker. I love stopping to make tea, get a snack, go for a walk, have a chat. I find it helps me. I think it's also so much easier to take a break when you've done your mini tasks as you don't feel like you're stopping in the middle of something. So it becomes almost like it's more well-deserved too. And more importantly, when you do need to get back into it, the next task on your to-do list is going to be so tiny that it will hardly take any motivation to get started again. And thus, the cycle of winning continues. You're welcome. So to get yourself motivated, it really doesn't take that much effort once you apply these little secrets that you learnt today. 
So if you want more motivation talk, make sure you hit up the link at teachersresourceforce.com forward slash podcast forward slash 127, which will contain all the links to the other episodes mentioned today. And as always, if you found value in this podcast, share it with a teacher friend because that really helps keep me inspired to continue creating this podcast for you. Teach on and teach strong, guys, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.